the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening, and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280, The Patriot. And, of course, I'm joined in studio once again by the producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. And another good Saturday evening to you, Rebecca. Yes, yes. As we come off of this Memorial Day weekend, last weekend, it was so beautiful. Uh, I know a lot of people complained about the heat, but I didn't because after that long winter, I will never complain about the heat. (laughs) Exactly. And only a month ago was that 22-inch blizzard. I know it. I know it. I was getting back from Haiti, a mission strip in Haiti that night, and I think I got home at about 2 in the morning. I was just thankful to get home. Yes. So, well, for our next couple of shows here, uh, we want to take a look at an education reform law that some in the Minnesota government were initially excited for painting a picture of building upon high school graduation rates, touting dropout rates and historic laws or lows and um, more students going to college than ever before. And we know this this was at the national level, and so there was a lot of a lot of excitement there. It seems that every time they pass a new education reform law, there's excitement and enthusiasm, and it's always met with unfortunate results down the road. Yes. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, with Linda Brell. We're going to bring her on in a little bit. But we can all agree that a solid K-12 education best prepares our nation's children for post-secondary education opportunity, opportunities. However... It's been two and a half years since the passage of this most recent uh, reform law, the ESSA, and its additional federal oversight, invasive testing, and data collection. And yet, there's been no discernible change in achievement gaps or graduation rates. That's right, Rebecca. Linda Bell, as you mentioned earlier, she's a 25-year public school teacher veteran who saw firsthand the consequences of educational reforms over four decades in both Florida and Minnesota. And in the mid-1980s and early 1990s, she worked for the Florida Department of Education, writing state academic standards and curriculum. Mm -hmm. And in the intervening years prior to the Common Core Standards, Linda continued teaching, and with her husband, Bill, they became parents to two beautiful children. Mm -hmm. And Linda also founded the Minnesotans Against Common Core back in 2013, kicking off over 60 talks with parents and citizens across the state of Minnesota. And at that same time, MAC began meeting with legislators as citizen lobbyists and had their first bill passed on student surveys just back in 2015. Yes. And you know what I remember that? We actually had Linda on our show back then and did a special segment on uh, that passage of that law. Well, Linda, we are so glad to have you on the show today. Welcome. 
Thank you very much, Rebecca and Mark. Yes. So after it became clear that the ESSA would pass um, Congress, the MAC board recognized that the Common Core brand, though embedded in every state, would become old news. And thus, MAC became Minnesota Advocates and Champions for Children, which continues to work on behalf of the Minnesota students, parents, and teachers regarding standards, curriculum, testing, and data collection, as well as working on behalf of parental rights and true local control. And Linda, your contributions to American education are extensive, and we really are thankful to have you here on Education Nation with us. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Well, it's a pleasure to be here today. Good, good. Well, we're going to just jump right in, Linda, because our time is always so short here on Education Nation. So with our for our listeners who may not be familiar with the ESSA, can you explain what that acronym actually stands for and how it relates to the Elementary and Secondary Education Act? Absolutely. Well, ESSA is the newest iteration of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act of 1965. It has over 1,000 pages, and it is titled Every Student Succeeds Act of 2015. It was passed by President Obama with a Republican-majority Senate House. Mm -hmm. It follows a long line of U.S. Department of Education educational reforms, such as America 2000, Goals 2000, and, of course, No Child Left Behind. Mm-hmm. And something I want listeners to know is that this 1965 law retains all of the prior policies. Some have been amended or reorganized or retitled while introducing new policies and regulations that are requirements with the federal grant. Mm-hmm. Which means, really, that federal overreach just continues to grow with each passage and each iteration of this law, correct? Mm-hmm. It does. Yes, yes. And that's why some people um, have... Pl- applauded Betsy DeVos for wanting to try to decrease that footprint in the federal in the federal reach of education. And we're not going to get into that today, but I just kind of wanted to point that out to our listeners. So what were some of the key goals and objectives of the ESSA that was passed into law in the 2015 uh, legislature? Sure. So two major themes um, run throughout the ESSA. First is personalized learning. Mm-hmm. or SS term, competency-based education, and then social-emotional learning, or its acronym, SEL. So quickly, competency-based is complete technology-delivered instruction using artificial intelligence algorithms. Minnetonka and Little Falls School Districts are already good examples of full implementation. Mm-hmm. Um, the second goal, social-emotional learning, requires testing and curriculum to collect data on students' values, attributes, and their beliefs. This curricular learning and character data collection is to be heavily embedded in the federally mandated tests, like our MCAs, but already is embedded in many other um, Minnesota school testings, like the NWEA MAP test, um, where actually the MAP has separated academic learning and character traits into two separate profiles. Mm-hmm. Some other objectives was um, for the ESSA was advancing equity, uh, Students being caught to high academic standards that are common to a number of states, mm-hmm. annual statewide assessments, and requiring a state plan for federal accountability. Okay, okay. And a lot of that was a continuation, as you've pointed out, but a lot of it was new, especially the personalized learning and the SEL, correct? And the equity, those three are kind of the brand new portions, correct? Those are new in federal code. Yes. Okay. They have been pushed through other 
um, other organizations and mm-hmm. so forth, but they're new in federal law. Okay, yeah. okay. For the for our listeners who may have listened to previous shows, um, we've had Catherine Kirsten on talking about the yeah. equity yes. issues that are happening in the Edina Public Schools, and those will be some interesting podcasts to go back and listen to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Linda, you yeah. mentioned common standard significance, all the states and the ESSA. And we did mention Betsy DeVos and the fact that yep. uh, that she had stated that Common Core was dead. Is that necessarily true at the federal level? Well, she did make that statement. Um, but I think what she likely meant was that ESSA does provide a way out of Common Core. However, it is tricky. Uh, the language of ESSA declares that each state is required to adopt standards that are common to a significant number of other states. So right now, we all have Common Core. We have college and career-ready standards. In order to get rid of Common Core, Minnesota, for instance, would need to partner with a number of other states to adopt a different standard at the same time. And it would have to be somewhat of an uprising of all of these states. So uh, the ESSA, although it has a way out, it is still asking for national or near national standards, which is a concern. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That was one of our biggest concerns about Betsy DeVos coming in as education secretary is there was a lot of evidence to suggest that through her foundations and such that they were really promoting Common Core. And yet when she came on under Trump, um, she kind of had to disavow herself from Common Core since that was one of his platforms. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Do you feel that this was done in a little bit of a I don't want to say underhanded, but in a more of a um, hidden manner. Uh, as far as Secretary uh, DeVos yeah, and uh, what she has stated, you know, I think she's new to the job and I don't yeah. want to judge her necessarily. Mm-hmm. She's still new mm-hmm. and there's so much to learn. Right. You have a you have a federal law over a thousand pages and I'm sure she has many educational advisors mm-hmm. that are speaking in her ear one way or the other. Right. I am grateful to see any loophole right. in the law. Sure. Good point. Good in point. a good way. Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the only thing I would say. Yep. Yep. Good point. Mm-hmm. In late 2015, the federal government, in promoting the ESSA, sent a letter to states urging them to, quote-unquote, sanction local schools or education departments that fall below the requirement of states testing at 95% of all eligible students. Could you um, explain for us what maybe some of these sanction penalties might look like for the local schools? Sure. Um, Some of the sanctions might be uh, federal withholding of funds. Um, One of the one of the sanctions mentioned in that very letter was this non-proficient label placed on students. And um, it's interesting that the letter that came out came out just before ESSA was passed in December of 2015. And it came out after this growing movement of the opt outs across the country. And and so they were trying to sanction because of they they saw the opt outs growing, um, but the ninety five percent stipulation or that rule was actually also under a child left behind, so mm-hmm. they were just writing what had already been there, and the ninety five percent rule was sanctioning schools at the time, but now you see with ESSA there is the possibility of sanctioning schools and individual students. 
Mm, whereas before so there was before you couldn't mm-hmm. sanction individual schools and students, you could just sanction the state, or you could do the, the still schools. do the schools. Right. Okay. okay, got it, got right. it. And next week we'll be talking at length about what some of those sanctions might look like for students mm-hmm. individually. Mm-hmm. For our mm-hmm. listeners, you are listening to Education Nation AM twelve eighty, uh, the Patriot, and we are talking with Linda Bell who is head of the Minnesotans Against Common Core, which has now switched over to be entitled uh, Minnesotans. Uh, can remind me again. <laughs> Linda, can you just repeat where you're from again? Minnesotans Against Common Core has switched over to what? Minnesotans Against... Minnesota, we kept the same acronym. Uh-huh. Acronyms are rather important today, right? So we're, we're Minnesota advocates and champions for children there we go i knew it was to get rid of the common core because we we knew they they didn't want to talk about it yes yep yep absolutely that makes sense okay (laughs) well as as the new education law the essa that we're discussing today that was passed in 2015 began to take route across the nation what were some of the problems that emerged across the schools here in the state of minnesota well i think um the progress after ESSA was passed, the progress was uh, slow. Things were quiet um, in early 2016. And uh, then the period later, um, when we began to see what the plan was about after the transition period, there began to be a lot of discussion and confusion, I would say, among schools and administrators, teachers and parents, legislators. Um, some of the districts began to implement portions of the plan before the final USDOE adoption even. <laughs> and um, one of the things that came out of that period in 2016, the legislative session, there was a bill requiring the commissioner to create an opt-out form to streamline the process. And so many concerned parents felt that the commissioner had um, been handed the ability to possibly usurp their consent. Hmm. And so in the end, now each district requires either one of three things, either a handwritten letter from the parent or the commissioner's official opt-out form or have created a similar opt-out form of their own. So under local control, schools may decide which method they're going to choose. Hmm. And then with that 95% requirement, though, what happens if they end up with more than um, more than 5% opting out. How, how do they prevent that from happening if they do allow the opting out? Right. We have, it's very convoluted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness. Convoluted. Okay. We do have a statute that talks about the fact that parents can opt out. I don't have it in the back of my head no, right that's now. Okay. But we just thought it's, it's relatively new. Um, and... Uh, but the commissioner has always allowed opt-outs as many as they wanted to. She has stated that out loud and in writing hmm. uh, in, at the MDE. And frankly, uh, the letter from the USDOE sanctioning schools and all of that, it does harken back to the No Child Left Behind and the annual yearly progress in schools being closed and sold and all that, that happened at that period. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, you know, frightening. Yes. But they really haven't sanctioned schools. Okay. It's been a long, long time. It's kind of rare now. Okay. So in other words, it's in the law, but it's, yeah. it, or it's in the policy, but it's not necessarily being implemented or yes. enforced. Not yet. Okay. 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 Got not it. Yet. Got it. Mm-hmm. 
You know, we, we did touch on the U.S. Department of Education here, Linda. Can you think of any additional objectives of the final Minnesota ESSA state plan accepted in late 2017? Oh, sure. Right. Um, yeah, I can. So our, our Minnesota state plan was adopted in January 2018, so not so long ago. We went through a two-year period of transition. Um, it is titled the North Star Equity and Excellence System. Equity and excellence every day for everyone. And the most important goals are foundational structural goals. This is the introduction to the whole plan. And I would suggest listeners read it. Hmm. It's not very long, maybe four pages. Where would they but find that? About- sorry, to, sorry to cut you off there, but where would they find the fun- foundational structural goals? I would say go to the Minnesota Department of Education's website. Okay. And in their search, uh-huh. in their search area, just type in. The title. Minnesota State Plan. Okay. Minnesota, Minnesota State, State Plan. Plan. Okay, very good. Mm-hmm. Minnesota State Plan at the MDA website. Okay. Great. So their structural goals are advancing equity and inclusion, as well as embedding federal government accountability systems into our own state law and into our state plan. Hmm. So according to the state plan, education equity is a condition of justice, fairness, and inclusion in our systems of education. The plan poses questions identified for certain populations that must be addressed for schools and school policies, such as what are the positive, potential positive, neutral, or harmful impacts on the identified groups? Have representatives from these groups been, oops, I lost my page here. <laughs> I copied this. This was from the Department of Yes, Education. you're reading. I can tell. And I think it's important yeah. for our listeners to know that you're reading directly from their website, the Minnesota Department am, of Education website. Yeah. Yes. That's... What has been collaboratively engaged on the decision? How will the decision um, advance equity, address structural barriers, and reduce or eliminate disparities? Hmm. So that's the equity portion. Mm-hmm. Um, the Minnesota World's Best Workforce is our state's accountability law. For federal accountability is statute 120B.11 passed in 2013. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So the world's best workforce aims to ensure all students to have access to high quality curriculum, instruction, and assessments aligned to rigorous career and college ready standards. Um, it is a single accountability system and it is to align annually school district budgets. Hmm. That's a big wow. That is a huge, that's taking local control completely away. Yeah, That's gone. And yeah. align improvement strategies to the common statewide goals. Hmm. Um, so it's a single accountability system for all public schools. Many private schools have also signed on to this. Mm-hmm. And so in other words, our MDE is directing and leading every school district. Yeah. You know, that is just, it is shocking. And it's interesting to me that it's so un- difficult to untangle and uncover that it takes a person like you, Linda, yes. who's really going to take the time to dig in and look at this. The average person doesn't have any kind of time to be able to dig in this deeply and find this out. And so then we send our kids to school every day and we're thinking that all of their best interests are being met, having no idea that the whole foundation and structural goals of education have been completely changed, and there's no announcement about it. No. <laughs> I mean, you would have had to have seen it happen or read about it. Right, you know? so, right. And then we so. talk about having these these school boards as local control authorities, but if, the, if part of the requirement 
um, in this mandate is that the budgets of the local districts align with these accountability systems, then really that's taking, if they have control of the budget of the district, then they really have control of the district. So then you have to ask yourself, what are our school boards even doing anymore? There for show, I think. And that's why parents who go and speak before our school boards, we know many of them that do, they're just not getting anywhere. Right, because because they don't have the power. Yeah, the authority of the school board members is really not there. Yeah, just think of the work that has to be done, too, to untangle all of the terminology and to know that a lot of this is building off of what's been passed in the the past. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's absolutely true. Well, um, Linda, we are we are um, hoping that you can stay with us here for a little bit longer. We are on Education Nation here with Linda Bell for, uh, from MAC, and I want to go on with you a little bit here, Linda, to talk about what what was the driving force behind the Minnesota State Plan policies? Were the parents well, and the some, citizens involved, yeah. by the way, in the process? Sure. Um, and that's a good question, too. So it appears the Minnesota Department of Education, under guidance from the USDOE, was the major driver. Um, although the MDE set up 300 public meetings around the state, so they did hmm. ask for public in, um, engagement. Hmm. One of our board members, Kirsten Schultz, attended several of these state plan public meetings and voiced her concerns before testifying before a combined education committee hearing regarding the state plan. Mm-hmm. At these engagement meetings, Kirsten noticed how enthusiastic um, uh, many of the teachers and parents and school support personnel were in bringing their concerns, and most of the concerns were over the federal testing. Hmm. Um, and uh, But after the hearing, she was rather shocked when they came back with a non-proficient label. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so many people spoke out in the state against it, and yet there it showed back up in the MDE plan. So... Um, you know, she she also felt this was putting a wedge between schools and parents and further eroding parental rights. Mm-hmm. But following the testimony um, at that hearing and with the MDE in earshot, we were pleased that the non-proficient label was at least partially removed. Okay. So that's good. Yeah, that is good. Mm-hmm. There was there was engagement, but we just don't know how well that engagement was listened mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And how were the legislators involved concerning their constitutional duty to their constituents regarding the education? Um, well, so there were several hearings that occurred across the two, well, at least across a year and a half. And there were hearings. The MDE would come in and say, we've developed this section of the plan, and the legislators would listen and perhaps comment um, and then at the very end, when the plan was ready to be um, sent to the Department of Education, that happened during the summer. And I always understand that these meetings happen during the summer when the MDE is ready to send it to the, the federal government. And really, at that point, they allow for testimony, but really there is no vote hmm. amongst the legislature. Really? And it, it was a combined education committee, so they really don't even vote. But I did notice that the chair was taking rigorous notes, mm-hmm. and it looked like she was going to speak to them about some possible amendments. Okay. So it's not really, it's not as if our legislature, I'd, let me put it this way, I'd like to see them with a little bit more hands-on mm-hmm. uh, ability with these state education programs that were running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as it, as it re- 
regards the Minnesota Department of Education. Mm-hmm. So. Because truly the way the structure works is that the Minnesota Department of Education is underneath. It's an arm mm-hmm. of, of, of the government, right. but it's really underneath the authority of the legislature, right? Supposed to be. Okay. And so what happens, I suppose, over the course of time is that the MDE becomes more and more powerful. I'm sure this happens in every state because of its longstanding existence. And after a while, the legislature just almost becomes more of a oversight committee that maybe, um, you know, force the federal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like they're not really involved in shaping education. They're more more they're more just there to sort of say yes or no to what the MDE is doing. How how do you think we can help our legislators understand the importance of their involvement? You know, they've got so many demands on their time. Um, they've got a lot of uh, people coming at them with all of their key policy issues. And education so often ends up at the bottom of the heap. And how how do you do you have any suggestions, Linda? I'm kind of throwing this at you, um, but sure. do, do I just. You know, I think we need to contact them. Yeah. If you have, if you have a relationship, or you need to build a relationship with your constituent legislators, your mm-hmm. representatives, and your senator, you need to build a relationship. Meet with them for coffee sometime, or take mm-hmm. your husband, you know, your mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. and then send them some articles. Write them over the course of the year. That's a great And let idea. them know that you have concerns, and that this is your constitutional duty. Mm-hmm. to be in charge of education. Mm-hmm. It's not the Department of Education. Yeah. Boy, that's that's great advice. You know, I have never, I've thought of going to visit my legislator or, uh, you know, maybe sending an email or letter or something like that. But I love your idea of sending articles. I think mm-hmm. that that is a really, really good idea because though they're busy, they probably have their assistants that can help scan and read those for them and help give them some insight um, because I do think a lot of times it's just naivete. I think they're just so busy they don't even they're not aware of what's actually happening um, in the MDE. And uh, so consequently, when they are asked to just weigh in, they're they're kind of scrambling and looking at what the MDA shows them, but they don't have the background knowledge to maybe make a wise a wise decision. Is that is that a fair analysis? Yeah, I think, and I think when we when we see that there are policies that are about to be voted in and maybe we haven't known about them you know and their their work through the session but i think that's the time you write them and you say look i'm concerned about this mm-hmm. and tell them why mm-hmm. um, it's hard to do but mm-hmm. if you're concerned about your children and education you will do it mm-hmm. absolutely i think that's great advice yeah. linda i just want to backtrack real quick in our final moments we were talking earlier in the program about how essa impacts the states regarding a national standard like common core um aren't the federal tests aren't they based on these particular standards they are okay. and thank you yeah they're absolutely based on the national standard which is basically common core mm-hmm. okay. or college That's and important. career ready it's kind of its sister right so yeah Mm-hmm. Now, what we know, though, is that the state of Minnesota doesn't actually give those national tests. There are two. Um, they have stuck with their own uh, the run through Pearson, correct? Um, the two uh, common core related right. national tests, correct. They're already choosing an alternative test, mm-hmm. but it's still seen as the federally mandated test for the yes. state. Yes. If we weren't part of that 
federal testing scenario, we would not be testing federally. <laughs> we yes. would not be doing that test. You know what I mean? Right, right. So we're still part of that system because mm-hmm. it's part of the federal grant. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, okay. Well, Linda, we have been so grateful to have you on our show today, and uh, we look forward to having you again next week, and we hope that our listeners will join us once again. You are a fountain of knowledge, and yes. it's really important for our listeners to listen to what you have to say and to take your advice and go to the Minnesota Department of Education website and look up the Minnesota State Plan, and in particular, take a look at the Foundational Structure Goals uh, that you just discussed with us a little bit earlier today and uh, get involved in education with your children. And so for our listeners, we hope that you will join us again next Saturday at 6 p.m. on AM 1280, The Patriot. And you can find our podcasts on Education Nation's website, edu- ednationmn.org, ednationmn.org, or check us out on Facebook and Twitter as well. Have a great night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.